from the city of Beaky Blinders, Birmingham, England, I would like to introduce you to Paddy Dandar. As the world becomes more automated and the robots take over, it's imperative that we build the right human skills for the future. So pull up a chair, grab a smoser or two, and make yourself very uncomfortable. Hey folks, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Superpower School podcast. I'm your host, Paddy Danda, and today I am super excited because my special guest is from Romania. And I have a big love for Romania, which I will share during this episode. But she's also a trainer, a speaker in the field of business communications. So without further ado, Miruna, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Very nice of you to have me here with you. Uh, you are welcome, Maruna. And I literally found out two minutes before the episode that you are <laughs> actually from Romania originally. And my link with Romania, I'll tell you a story. So my father, he can just about speak English, even though he's lived in the UK pretty much most of his life. But he did a few years of work over in Bucharest in Romania. Okay. And for many years, he's claimed that his Romanian is fluent. And I never believed him. I didn't believe a single word of it until I got sent to Romania via my previous company when I used to work for Deutsche Bank. And we had a big office out okay. in Bucharest. And he told me a few words and I was reluctant to use them because I wasn't quite sure if they were good words or bad words or what. But when true to his word, he was. He had given me some really good vocabulary and I was able to communicate with the team. Nice. At a very basic level, I can't say I'm an expert in Romanian. And since then, I've built such a appreciation for the Romanian culture. And I have some amazing friends there. So uh, that's my link to Romania. It's so nice. I'm happy to hear that. Oh. Because I love, I think that Bucharest is one of the greatest cities in Europe, at least. I love it. So yeah, it's nice. Oh, the architecture. Yeah, the people. Absolutely amazing. I had such a fantastic time out there. So, but welcome to the show. So, Maruna, which superpower would you like to bring to this particular episode? So, I think that I would like to talk about how we can use improvisation theater to improve communication skills in a professional context. Oh, I love that. Sounds complicated, but it's not. <laughs> I was going to say, that sounds very theatrical, so I'm really intrigued to know more about that topic. But before we jump in to the subject matter, tell us more about your background. Where have you come from? What's been your journey? So I am born and raised in Romania. I was, I think, around 22 years old when I moved to Brussels, Belgium. So the next, the, well, the following 12 years, I spent them in Brussels. I initially studied law twice because the first one <laughs> wasn't enough. <laughs> so I, I have two law degrees. And then at some point I realized that I was not happy. I was a tax consultant and I decided to make a change and uh, switch to marketing. And then I started to take theater classes for five years. And I realized that theater can actually change people. And I loved that. I loved, I, I'm, I've been passionate with communication my entire life, I think. I have always, always loved the way people 
express themselves knowingly or not, you know, because sometimes we just react. And then I realized that theater can actually help us become very much aware of our communication patterns and change them. You mentioned at the start, you're a business communications uh, sort of specialist. What is one of those? Tell us more about what that field is all about. I think that we do not give enough importance to communication in a professional environment or not everywhere, obviously, well, in the world. And it is the most important skill that one could be proud of and is one of the skills that are all the time required in a job interview, for example. But nobody teaches us how to communicate. There are some universities nowadays that, you know, they included that in their program, but not everybody does it. And I learned it the hard way that without communication skills, it can be very difficult to adapt to a new job, to a new professional environment. And basically what I hope to achieve is to help young professionals enhance these skills and will just make things easier for them. Because when we're in the beginning, when we're young, when we don't have enough experience, we feel completely lost, especially when we just, you know, we barely start our professional lives and we are in our first years. And it seems that sometimes even more experienced people need such trainings or workshops simply because they were never part of a bigger corporation or of a bigger company, of a bigger organization. And when you are a one-man show half of your life or for many years, you don't realize that actually communication is something you really want to understand and, you know, learn and improve all the way. Got it. So this is where I come in. <laughs> yeah. And so... When we talk about business communication, is that verbal communication or could it be any form of communication? All of them, because you cannot really, you can't just improve the verbal communication and be terrible in writing. It, it, it doesn't work like this. So we first need to understand which are the types of communication that we all use on an obviously daily basis, how each and all together affect our relationships, our interactions, even our own growth. And then we go a bit more into depth and we talk about cultural differences and because it's also our communication in the end. You know, so it's, it's all together. I, I'm speaking with you right now and you know, this is okay, verbal communication, but then I, you can hear in my voice if I'm happy or not, if I get a, a bit, if I get a bit shy, you know, I don't know if I, you hear all those in my voice. This is paraverbal communication. I gesticulate a lot. You don't, well, you see me, but so I, so this is like all the nonverbal comes and adds on the message that I am delivering to you. And the thing is that we do all these things most of the time without realizing how impactful can be on the other person because a lot of our communication comes from our background the people who raised us our you know environment as we're growing up teachers i don't know friends they 
each had a small impact. They each shaped our communication. And it can be good. It can be not so good. And I think it's our, well, it's our job to realize, to identify those communication patterns. What is ours? What is not? What is borrowed? Are we happy with that or not? Does it say something good about us? How do the others perceive me if I do this or that? It's, you know, it's, it's not complicated. It's really a matter of becoming aware and yeah, understanding our patterns. Got it. It's fascinating. It's not even always about what you say. It's about really understanding the other person's culture. Sometimes we carry some um, communication elements with us that were inherited from our, I don't know, parents who got them from their parents and so on. But back then there was no Facebook. We have no recollection on, you know, we don't, we don't have any memories. So it's very difficult to, to understand. Sometimes we might have the gesture that is very powerful, very strong. It's not necessarily ours. It's, it's difficult. It's very personal, you know, but just to explain myself a bit better, like for example, I was upset at some point and I was raised by my grandmother from my dad's side, right? And uh, well, she raised me since I was two years old. My parents were still students. And then many years later, my mom asked me, do you realize that when you're upset, you completely shut off? We, I cannot talk to you anymore. And do you realize that this is something, well, my grandmother used to do? And I actually, I was like, oh yeah, right. Because she does it too when she gets upset with me. She doesn't talk to me anymore. So I just took it and, you know, I, I became that, but it wasn't necessarily who I was. So when I realized it, I was able to change that small element, a behavioral element. We tend to pick up all of these different traits along the way and someone will go, you're just like your father you are, or you're just like your mother. So what does the research tell us? Have you looked at any of the research in this field? Yeah, there are many, many things out there, but one I find very interesting, it's about actually transgenerational trauma, and it aims to establish how trauma is transmitted from one generation to another. And it seems that it can cross like seven generations, which is huge. They did, they did this study on the grandchildren of people who went through the Holocaust. We don't necessarily need to talk about that, like terrible things, but there are some, okay, traumas or maybe prolonged stress that at some point has the ability to change our behavior, but that means our genes behavior. It's like the, you know, the uh, anti-COVID uh, vaccines work nowadays. The vaccine teaches your genes to uh, act in a certain way, right? Very simplistically put. But so at some point there was a very, like something happened and then it changed the person. And then it seems that that was passed on to a descendant. And I find it very interesting because you cannot know that. You just... You might have some reactions at some point or, you know, but you don't know why. And I don't think it's, you can find, I don't know how you can find out, but I find it's very interesting that technology and science is now able to establish those links with our assessors. Yeah, we're sort of the product of those generations without really knowing which bits 
we've taken from yeah. them and which bits have been newly created based on our new life. So, Maruna, if we go back to the superpower of improvisation, better business communication, tell yes. me more about that. For somebody who has no idea what we're talking about, can you give us a, a very high-level explanation of what you mean? Well, theater makes us become who we're not. It, it's a challenge, right? When, we, when you take theater classes, you are put in this position where you are supposed to be somebody else, another person, and you have to be very real when you do that. It's about being very true to yourself, even though you're not that person. And I found out while taking theater classes, and I could see it around me as well, that doing that, experience such short transformation, it can actually make you understand how it feels like to be on the other side of a communication message. And this is, this is why I took everything that I learned in theater and I put it in communication and I created these workshops. Because I realized that, first of all, I really don't like it. And I have bad memories from my corporate years when people would come and they would be speaking for one or two hours and I would be taking notes. And then at the end of the training, I would take the notes, put them on my desk and a month later, just throw them away because I couldn't even remember <laughs> what that was about. So, and I think that we all learn better when we actually do stuff, when we go through something, when, when we really experience it, right? So this is the reason why I use so many games and exercises and mostly improvisation theater in the business communication workshops, because I want people to get out of their famous comfort zone and their tranquility corner and experience how it feels like to be on the other side of their own communication. And this is very interesting. I remember that once, so I was working with a group of people and there were two, so two people were supposed to improvise. It's very easy. You just take two, you assign a situation and two characters and then people would improvise. And then you add some elements to, to make it more interesting and to get the, the wow elements, right? And to get them to, to actually understand what you're trying to, uh, to, to teach them. And in that case, I was, I was, I had assigned very particular human nature characters. Like one of them was very dominant in the relationship and the, the other one was not. I don't remember. It was like something. It was a, it was a bad one. It was a drug dealer and somebody was who wanted the drugs, you know? So in the relationship, one was in a powerful place compared to the other one. But then I switched. So I assigned the strong one to the, to the very shy and introvert real person and uh, the other way around. And then they started to improvise. It was very funny because the words would say the right thing, but then the, their real nature took over at some point. And like the one who was supposed to be inferior in that report was really pushing the other one towards the wall. I mean, they were, they were moving together, but you could see from their body language that one was definitely dominated by the other one and it was not the right one, you know? So that was super interesting because you can see how powerful our nature really is and how difficult it is to 
to switch places and to be on the other side, you know. So in that case, was the person who was not supposed to be so dominant, actually their real personality was quite domineering? He's a guy, like a very uh, confident guy and very outgoing. And he was taking, he was doing what, well, taking this course, this class of mine, because he wanted to improve communication in general, but he didn't have any sales, you know, like the confidence issues whatsoever. So yeah, he was, he, he was supposed through his role in the role playing to be a very needy person. And he was only verbally. Otherwise, you could see that his entire body language was saying, hey, give it to me. <laughs> you know? It was very interesting. Very interesting. That's the point, isn't it? I was going to say you could have probably recorded them. And if you just played the audio, you would have got a very different perception to when you see the yeah. visual side. Definitely. I think I saw at some point, it was a Michael Jackson video, but it was not like a music video. It was some stuff recorded and it came in my, in, in some feet on, I don't know where, and it didn't have sound. <laughs> I remember it because I showed it after in my, in my class and it seemed that she was yelling and as if she was very angry. It was not at all the case, but not at all. She was, very, so you can see that it's all together. Only when it all comes together, we can deliver a full and accurate message to the other person. And by message, I mean everything. It can be even written on, on the phone, on video, you know, like anything. But yeah. Yeah, it goes back to your point earlier about communication being more than just words. There's the body language and there's, you know, other elements as well. So bringing them all together, you get the yes. picture of the message. I call it business communication, but there's also, this is also something that we need to take into account. We cannot just improve our business communication and like be terrible when we when we communicate with our partners or, or family or friends. It 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 everything improves because suddenly we become kinder, I think, more curious, more tolerant. We start to understand, you know, where they come from because we start to understand where we come from. And so in terms of this as a technique, is this something mm -hmm. that anybody could do. Absolutely. Right. Sometimes when you hear about certain cultures, I'll give you an example. In England, when we see the Americans doing high fives and they're all very loud and all of this kind of stuff, many Brits will go, oh my God, I could never do that. Like, that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> because we're just from, come from a different culture. So improvisation, I guess, could be quite scary for some people who aren't used to putting themselves out there in that way. How have you found your students? Have they predominantly embraced the approach or have you seen some challenges there? Yeah, I have. It, I always tell people in the beginning that they do not have to do anything that they don't want to do because sometimes it can get very personal and sometimes it can really, yeah, make you <laughs> suffer. Not like, you know, I, I'm not talking about suffering, suffering, but definitely it puts you in, a, in an uncomfortable position. And I remember that once I had, there was this boy who was very shy, very introvert. One of the exercises was to just be in front of the group 
because I use I use group pressure a lot. I think it it brings a lot. I mean, it's really valuable, right? And I you're supposed to just be in front of them, and you kind you can do whatever you want, just as long as you stay there. But then everybody is required to look at you and not say anything for like a minute or two. And for somebody who is shy and who is not comfortable, hates being self-conscious like that, you know, it can be hell. And I remember that once this boy told me, you know, I wanted to cry and I wanted to leave. And I was like, why didn't you? I mean, you, you knew that you you could have, you know, but I think that something in, in him wanted to, yeah, made him go through with this. And I remember that people told me several times that it's kind of a comfort to realize that we are all the same. The difference is that some of us are better at hiding it or they had the, op- the opportunity to practice more, right? Like, you know, speak in front of a, of a crowd or interacting with people, other were in front of their laptops because this is their job or whatever. But I mean, it's, we're all just as uncomfortable and shy and we all have insecurities. Some are just better at hiding them. That's all. I really think that. It sounds like the work that you do really gets people to self-reflect and become more self-aware of what they are actually like. Like as an example, even on this podcast, Mm -hmm. for me, every time I edit an episode, I'm doing lots of self-reflection because first I've got to listen to my own voice, which is very cringing, by the way. Everybody hates their own voice. (laughs) I think we all hate it. (laughs) Then I, I sort of start to critically think about why did I say that? Or why didn't I say this instead? Why did I react that way? What was I doing with my body language? Some of my friends always make fun of me on my podcast. They ping me afterwards <laughs> and they go, why do you keep just nodding your head all the way through? I'm like, what do you want me to do? Just sit there like that? Like that, the guest will feel like I'm not even listening or I'm just a robot. It's so hard to know like what is the right thing to do and how to react. But there's a lot of self-awareness there. Would that be a true statement? Is that some of the key elements that come out of some of your sessions in in terms of the outcomes? We talk about self-awareness. If you're not self-aware, how can we, I mean, if you don't know what are your best features or your limitations, where you have some room for improvement, right? Because you're like, okay, I know I have so many flaws and I try to work on them. And some of them, I will never be able to overcome them, to correct them, because maybe they're part of some emotional place where I don't want to go now or whatever. But there are others that I can correct. And if I can correct them, I was so proud when I managed to to do that. And then I gained more respect towards myself. And it's only when you respect yourself that you can respect others and others will respect you. I sound like one of those people who are so passionate and they're like, everything is that, but I really think that everything is communication. I love that, Maria, because I that's something I say to some people. I had this lady who was at the Building Business Capability Conference, which is one of the big business analysis conferences earlier this year. It was in America and she was doing a talk for the very first time at that conference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we were just talking a day or two before her talk. And 
she said, hey, Patty, you know, like, I'm so nervous. I don't know how my talk's going to go. I, I literally, I don't, I feel like an imposter. She's talking about all of this stuff. And I said exactly the same thing to her. I said, you know what? I said, wake up in the morning, look yourself in the mirror and say, I am a superstar. Now I know I'm taking it to the extreme. But I said to her, because if you don't believe it, if you don't believe you're going to do an amazing job, then how will anyone else believe you are going to do a great job? So absolutely, you've got to, like you say, almost own it and you've got to convince yourself. Otherwise, if you're moping around going, well, I'm not really sure if I'm going to do a good job today, everyone. No one's going to have confidence in you. And straight away, I think you're on a, on a losing battle. From, from day one. Absolutely. I mean, I come from far, far away. When I was when I was a kid, I was so shy. I would always, you know, I would not <laughs> like not playing with the kids who were who appeared like very, you know, outgoing and extrovert and I don't know. So later on, I was the same in my teenage years. I was the same as a young adult, and then. I worked for a while as a tax consultant for Deloitte Belgium, and it was in the international department, so we were like uh, from all over the place. And then we were supposed to present a case, like a business case, once a month, and I had to do it. And I remember that it was such hard work to get it to get it done right because in the beginning I my voice would tremble and I couldn't feel my legs and it was only like 40 people in the department it was not like a huge crowd but of course and I knew all of them I knew them but it was not the same right when you're in front of of them you so at some point I had managed to control my voice so it didn't sound scared and as if I wanted to like run away. <laughs> but then my hands were still shaking. And I remember that I had a sheet of paper because I was reading like, and like my hands would tremble like crazy. And my voice was very stable, but my head was, it was, it was so weird. I was feeling so, so if I could do it, anybody, like I, I was terribly shy. Like terribly shy. So if I could do it, if I'm, I'm able to be on a stage right now and talk to people and yeah, anybody can. You're doing fantastic. Coming from where you said you were in terms of that mindset to what you're doing now is phenomenal. You've kind of gone from one extreme to the other. So fantastic. Well, yeah. could you give us one or two activities that if, for example, somebody listening wanted to try out improvisation as part of their practice what might be a couple of practical games that they could do? For example, it's a lot of fun. It's a game where each person in the group, assuming that there are several people, will be assigned a TV channel, right? And then they are supposed to take the same piece of news that they have written on a piece of paper and broadcast it, but taking into account the tone of voice of that specific TV channel. And obviously, it would be very different from going from, I don't know, MTV to Euronews and, you know, Eurosport or whatever. So this is a way to become aware of how we broadcast our messages, because it's the same thing, like, for example, being in a meeting, in a business meeting, and uh, I don't know, inviting someone to speak. It, you can send all kinds of messages from you go. You can say... Now you go, or you can say you go, 
and then it's completely different. You know, this is a game. There is another fun one. This is very interesting. People should be aligned in two rows facing each other, right? And then I bring eggs, preferably boiled, because <laughs> otherwise it would be a mess. And they are supposed to throw one egg from one another and from the first one to the last one and back, right? More frequently than not, it happens then that somebody will drop the egg. And what happens, and is very interesting to witness, is that it's not the person who drops the egg that is not paying attention, but generally the one throwing the egg. And now, if we were to apply this in our professional lives, it will translate like this. Do not ideally give feedback to someone unless that person is ready to listen and assimilate your feedback, right? In theater, that would apply in don't say your line before the other person is ready to respond. But, you know, in our professional lives, we, pre we, we can prevent so much, maybe not conflict, but... Uh, not feeling good about themselves or, you know, not, uh, or frustration or whatever. You can prevent so much of those bad feelings if we just waited for the other person to be ready for our feedback. This is an example. <laughs> oh, I love that. I absolutely love that because it's such a important message. Great learning point. I'm trying to picture the eggs, though, how that would work. But anyway. Oh, that, uh, that's so much fun. We, 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 we also <laughs> did it with raw eggs. <laughs> that oh, was my so God. <laughs> why, why I love so much doing this, because I, there are like two main reasons. First of all, is that I take like stupid things, stupid activities. They're like sometimes ridiculous, right? But actually, we learn something very, very valuable from each of the of those little silly games and then because we learn from each other it's not like i'm not coming there and hey i want to show you this because i'm you know experienced and old and i know so much about everything in in life no i am so amazed and surprised each time to learn from everybody and to you know to witness their emotions and it's it's just amazing. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah. So if you're a professional egg thrower, you're not allowed in. When you actually do improvisation theater, when you take these improvisation techniques and you apply them, they're very interesting because like I said, it, you just force people, you get them to a point where they, there's, well, they're supposed to be someone who they're not, but then you add all kinds of layers and I don't know, you can increase their conflict management skills by teaching them how to prevent or how to deal with conflict using this game. So it's very interesting. Oh, fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's given me sure. some inspiration for sure. Are there any books you would recommend if somebody was interested in improvisation or theatrical improvisation or even business-related improvisation. Is there any books that you would recommend? There is there is a, a book that is very, very interesting. It's called The Culture Map. 
And uh, it's written by Erin Mayer. And actually, it's about how different people react in uh, various business or professional circumstances, depending where they are from. And you mentioned before this gap between the U.S., and, and people in the UK, and it's so true, but there are so, so many others. And she actually managed to create this great map of cultural communication, depending where you come from. It's very interesting. And what I wanted to say was that I think that culture is not only about who, where you come from or speaking a language or another. I think that culture is really everything that relates to you as an individual, meaning, I don't know, the music you listen to or your political orientation or religious orientation or the food you like to eat, where you, what you enjoy doing with your spare time. I think that this is all related to culture which means that we're all very different. And which also means that it requires a lot of tolerance and huge curiosity to bridge those gaps between one another and that we should do that. Oh, I love it. Excellent. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think that's a whole episode in its own right. So maybe we'll get (laughs) back again on another episode to talk about that. But thank you so much. It's been a pleasure speaking to you, Maruna. Same here. Same here. I had a great time.